Welcome to the WCIA 3-in-1 pod. We are following the Michigan win for Illinois to keep its Big Ten title hopes alive. Brett Barron's here in the WCIA 3 podcast studios in Champaign. Andy Olson in Michigan at the game this afternoon. Andy, you were there to see Illinois win by eight over the Wolverines in a high-scoring affair. Your biggest takeaway from the game, other than just Illinois still trying to win a Big Ten title, is what? The fact that this is the, we have, what, two games left in the regular season after this, and this was the first time that Illinois looked like the team that, you know, we were kind of uh, promised at the beginning of the season. I mean, they kind of all the parts came together. It was the three-point shooting. It was uh, Kofi Coburn dominance inside the Andre Curbelo flashes. Uh, the defense at points, it, was, it wasn't always great, the defense. Yeah, they didn't let up 85 points, but – it just felt like this was the first time that we had all seen that come together and it proved to just be enough against a Michigan team that was playing really well. If Hunter Dickinson had a better day than he, he ended up having, then I think we're talking about a different game here. But 93 points was enough. They do let up 85, but uh, just a really good all-around team win. And this is kind of exactly the moment that you want to be clicking. I think Illinois maybe clicked uh, – a little too early last year if we're going to use that as a reference and now if this is the start of them kind of getting in their rhythm um, I know there's coming off the loss it's going to take more than one game to get into a rhythm but if this is the start of it it's kind of like the perfect time because uh, you don't want to, to burn out too early this is the highest amount of points Illinois scored against a high major opponent all season they did have more against uh, some lower level teams St. Francis they put up a hundy there did that a couple other times against um, uh, some lower-level opponent. Both St. Francis's, actually. How about that? Uh, must be something in the, in the Francis water there. The, the PA and Indiana versions both put up 100-plus points. But the most points in a game in a, against a Power 5 opponent this season, and, and you're exactly right from what my perspective was, this is the offense that we all thought Illinois could be and, and why I think a lot of people at the beginning of the season said, I think they could be just as good as last year's team, if not better, because of the offense and, and what they were uh, expected to do and Alfonso Plummer a big part of that hey look you know if he's gonna go off like he did this team can do a lot of damage I mean six three-pointers in the game to go to go six for nine is is really incredible and, and he's proving himself if we start with just that Andy because he played so well in the first half with 23 points I, I mean it, it just looks so easy it's so flawless when he does that and Illinois can be a Final Four threat, if that is the case. Now, he's not going to make six threes every game, or at least, well, he has the last couple of games in the first half. I mean, he's as good as anyone in the country in the first half right now. I mean, <laughs> what was your perspective of him? Because for me, it's just like the dude's got such a quick release. He He's willing to spray from anywhere and fire, and he doesn't need a lot of space to do it. I mean, it's really incredible to watch what he's able to do. And the lefty stroke I just love to begin with. He heats up like quicker than anyone in the country because there was that stretch there where he had 11 straight points at the very beginning of the game. Uh, three of those coming on three pointers, and they were all like almost in consecutive possessions. He didn't—I don't know if he missed or anyone else missed missed in that stretch. So I mean, just knocking down so many in a row. And one of those he could have made it a three-point play in that stretch because he was fouled on a long two-pointer, but he missed the free throw. And, you know, it was – for me personally, it was an interesting perspective watching from press row. Um, and 
man, it's just you have to wonder if he's in the right spot. Um, I saw someone tweet out that he's almost like a golfer. Like when he's on, he, he makes it look so, so easy. And when he gets off, he starts shanking it. You know, all it takes is a little bit of time on, on the tees, get that swing back in. And that's kind of what he did um, in that tough stretch where Illinois lost at Rutgers. Him and Jacob Grandison getting right back in the gym working on that stroke. And it worked out. And he's really found his form again. And if he can keep that going, you know, he may have, he may be like a, a possible MVP of the NCAA tournament if Illinois is able to go uh, as far as they want to. This is now his ninth game this season, Andy, where he's had five or more three-pointers, which is nothing to shake your head at. I mean, five three-pointers in a oh. game is is a lot, and he's done it nine times this season, now has 88 threes. On, on, I mean, that's top five all-time for a season, or for you know for a single season in Illinois uh, in, the, in the record books. That's, that's top five, and, and he continues to impress from what he's able to do. And the whole theme here, Andy, is, is if we're going to, reference to what we thought they could be this season he's a big part of that because you know he makes 11 threes in a game at, at Utah and in the Pac-12 tournament and he comes in with these high expectations and remember he was not hitting his shots by and large at the beginning of the season through the first one two three four games he only made five threes from there he's made five or more threes in a game nine times and so it's pretty remarkable of what he's been able to do and show Kofi Coburn puts up a game-high 27 today. And, look, we all thought that he was going to be an All-American again this year, and he will be. But when he puts up 27, we're just like, oh, okay. Well, that's that's what the expectation <laughs> is. And it, it's remarkable what he's doing and, and continues to, go, to do. Goes 11 for 15 from the floor. Um, you know, only has seven rebounds, which, look, the rebounding numbers for Kofi have been a little bit uh, – just in question, but you know, if you're going to put up 27, then okay, whatever on, on the rebound aspect in that. But um, the big part for me is Kofi continues to do what Kofi does. And that's just mall opponents. And the big thing to me, Andy, for all the expectation and for all the hype coming into this about Kofi Coburn and Hunter Dickinson, Kofi far outplays Hunter Dickinson in this game. Hunter goes four for 13 from the field. Now, he does have a double-double, so you know you may look at it and say, well, he had 13-11, and 11, maybe a more well-rounded game from Hunter in that sense, but I'll, I'll take the 27-7 and seven from Kofi and, and not have the rebounding total in there. And like I said, the bigger number is is that you know they forced, they forced him into um, you know so many misses there. So for me, that is a huge check mark for Kofi coming into this because we haven't seen him play very well in big-time matchups against other true big men, you know, Zach Eady and Purdue. And I thought Eady and Travion Williams pretty much owned him in those two games, and he did not play well. You see him against Arizona, and um, that did not end well for Kofi. So I thought this was a big moment for Kofi, who is now playing well down the stretch, and I feel like keeping his name in that player of the year conversation, Andy. Yeah, and I want to bring up the fact that Kofi played his ass off uh, on defense today. And just watching him, being able to to maul Dick, because you said maul, and but you were using it in the form of what he does on offense. He was also doing that on defense to Dickinson, and that's what caused that four for thirteen day. And I feel like that's a side of Kofi that we really haven't seen too many times this year. It's not that he's a liability or he's bad on defense or anything like that. It's just we're, we're always so focused on his offensive game that the the, the defense gets lost in it all. And today watching it was just so so 
obvious that he was making Dickinson uncomfortable. He was able to, to really go after him. And that, like I said, ended up being the difference because if Dickinson has just um, a, a better day, uh, like we're kind of used to from him, then this is a completely different game. Uh, and when a day when the rest of the defense wasn't really there, Michigan uh, certainly had their runs in this one. It, it was nice to see that from, from Coburn. And you're right. I think the, the game that he had today um, definitely puts him back in, in, I don't know, back in the player of the year conversation, but he's still knocking at that door a bit. He's not completely out. You can't count him out, I don't think, at all, uh, which is exactly what he needed coming off of that game against Ohio State. Uh, where he just had nothing going for him. He had, what, I think it was 13 points in that one, if I'm correct. And 12 probably, points against Ohio State. 12, 12 points, yeah. And then it was the – that's the worst, I think, that we've seen Kofi this season. And he bounces back with, with the huge uh, win down low. It seems like he's always able to do that against Dickinson. Uh, for some reason, he always seems to get the best of them. Uh, the same way that, that Edie and Williams have gotten the best of him. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what that does as far as, you know, postseason awards and things like that. But if Coburn can keep that production up, I mean, there's it feels like there might be, I don't want to say no stopping Illinois, but it's going to be very difficult to stop Illinois when he's doing that on a nightly basis. And for me, it was the bounce back factor coming off the Ohio State game where, you know, he only had three rebounds, only scores 12 points. You know, and, and when you look back at that and, and you just try and process of, of what it was, you know, 5 for 15 from the floor, I mean, if they don't have Kofi going 11 for 15 at Michigan today, I don't think they win the game. And it's uh, it's so important. And he held, he held so much weight to what this team is. And you mentioned the defensive side about it. And I think that's really important in there as well. But, you know, I, I do think the, de- uh, the rebounding numbers are a little bit of a concern. Seven uh, today against Michigan and now it marks five out of the last seven games where he has not had double digit rebounds so we've seen those totals go down a little bit uh Northwestern he ate a ton had 15 in that one and and you know that's really bad matchup for Northwestern um and Rutgers he had 10 but other than that you've got to go back to the first game of the month and Wisconsin where he had double digit rebounds other than Northwestern and Rutgers so um the numbers have definitely dipped on the glass in February, but like I said, you know, okay, he puts up 37 against Wisconsin, you know, point wise, and he's been hovering around 20 there the whole time, other than the outlier against Ohio State. So um, I don't put as much stock into that, but I do think they're going to need him on the glass. And I also think the other point of that, just holistically looking into it, is you know when you're getting a little bit more even spread production on the glass from from guys like. DeMonte or Alfonso, uh, Trent Frazier, you know, they all they both had two today. DeMonte had three. Um, I think you're getting more help a- across the board. Coleman Hawkins with four, you know, even Carbello has three. Like th- those are things that you weren't getting maybe even a couple of weeks ago that I think they've really stressed. All right. Uh, we've talked about Alfonso. We've talked about Kofi. You know, for me, it all comes down to Trent. And we'll talk about Coleman Hawkins here a little bit too, and, and certainly Andre Carbello, but. Trent is evolved into this. I don't. He's not IO, but I think he's developing the confidence. And you talk to him, so you tell me. Did, was Trent available today? Yeah, he was. Yeah, so, uh, and... so you talk to Trent. But to me, from just looking at him and and covering him all five years here at Illinois, 
he's developed that confidence, Andy, right now where I just don't think he cares, number one. He's going to take the shot. I think he's <laughs> developed into that. And I think he has the confidence to just say, hey, look, this is my team, and, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the bucket. And he's proven it now here uh, in the last two out of three games at Michigan State, gets the closer there, and then with 45 seconds left today, puts them up seven with 45 seconds left, and, and the game's over. Yeah, he pretty much said as much to us afterwards. They asked, like, hey, uh, what is with you taking that last shot? Is that, Are you the closer now? It, there's this weird question where we people keep wondering, that's Trent Frazier. I mean, who who would have thought that? I mean, someone had to step up, and he's really found that role well. And it's not like, um, you know, that he's had to struggle much transitioning into that role. And I think that just goes to show uh, how important it is being that fifth-year senior uh, coming back for one more season. I mean, he's been around. He knows he, he's – comfortable with the surroundings he knows everything and maybe that's why it's been so easy for him to get into a role like that because being the is not easy Brad. you have to make these last second shots and he's done so twice in the last two weekends uh i mean just big daggers that uh, put it away for the alana after he hit that one today it the uh the arena just had everyone just left oh, michigan fans knew at that point that they had <laughs> filed for the exits and uh when he talked with us, he said that his team trusts him. He wants to take that shot. He's going to take that shot every time, he says. Um, and it's just nice to see that confidence um, in him now. Because, you know, for some, if he maybe he wasn't a fifth-year senior. Maybe if he was still a junior or even last year, maybe he wouldn't have been ready for that kind of responsibility or that moment. But, you know, he's showing the uh, maturity this season, and he's – come up time and time again for Illinois. It seems like when they need a bucket the most and he is, could be the reason that Illinois uh, goes further this year than maybe they did last year because of that jump that he made. And it's, it's been incredible to watch and it's such an interesting storyline this season, seeing uh, just him come up from that maybe sidekick role in the last few years. Cause I would assume it was, was the, the Batman to, to everyone's Robin on the team. And you know, now he's taking that, that, that lead. Yeah. And I think it's just fun to watch someone grow into that confidence. This was before you worked here, Andy, but I remember when he was a sophomore, he straight up told us uh, before a game in December that he had no confidence and he was struggling and he just came out and admitted it. And there, I, I'll never forget that because it was so rare to just have a guy be vulnerable in a sense and just open to, hey, I, I'm just not feeling it right now. And he said he was going to get it back, which, you know, that great. He had the confidence in that, he, you know, hey, I'm going to get out of this. But to just be real and honest and saying, I don't have it right now, uh, to where he is to develop this and, and to take that onus on himself and I think Illinois needs that. We One of our biggest questions coming into this season was, who's going to be the closer? Who's going to have those moments at the end of the game? Yeah, you know you can get the ball at Kofi, uh, but are you going to get the call? You know how Are you going to be able to get the entry pass if, if they double him late? Who's going to be able to take the shot? And Trent has evolved into that this season. And that's what good teams need to become great. If you're going to do something in March and, and make a name for yourself, then you've got to have those key players and those key guys. And good for Trent Frazier to take that on himself and to lead this team. Uh, you know, 
I think Trent is is a guy that's more than capable of that, and I've I've said that for a long time in his career. But to see him actually show that. I think is encouraging, and I think it's really needed for this team. I think Coleman Hawkins continues to improve, Andy. He goes two for seven from the floor today. Look, he's going to give you some of these moments, kind of like Andre Curbelo in a sense, where you're like, what the heck is he doing? Um, But he's also going to flash some other moments where you're going, what the heck was that? That was awesome. I mean, I think there's a a fine middle ground in between He combined that today because he had that, that weird almost euro into the lane. And then he assisted it to himself, essentially, on the one-handed slam. Exactly. So I think you just kind of got to live. And that's why I paired Carbello and Coleman a little bit together. You know, they they play a combined 46 minutes. Coleman, 26 minutes today. He hasn't played that much in three months. And so I think Brad is trusting him down the stretch here. And I think that's also a product of RJ being out. I think once RJ comes back, uh, he missed the game today. uh, Once again, a second straight missed game with that. Uh, appendectomy surgery that he was still healing from. But, you know, I think it's a product of also Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk being out. So you combine both of those and Coleman needs to play more. But the fact that he did play 26 minutes, 26 and a half minutes, is encouraging that Brad trusts him in that. So, you know, and, and you see Omar Payne only playing four minutes. So that tells you a lot more there about where that trust level is at down the stretch. And, and I don't think Omar is going to be a, a really big factor here in this rotation, uh, you know, as we head towards March here and close out the month of February, which is crazy to think to begin with, Andy. I mean, we're done with February. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. nuts? Like Over Illinois with. basketball is closing in on March and, and the season is, I mean, truly in the home stretch. We've been saying that for a little while now, but like legit Illinois is in the home stretch of the season. March is upon us. It, it is time. And that is really exciting it's just as a college basketball fan to think that, hey, uh, you know, Illinois is, is going to be a contender here down the stretch once again. Anyway, get back on, on topic here. Um, I, I think Brad's going to shrink that a little bit. But what was your assessment of Coleman and, and what he was able to do today? Score six points, plus 10 in the plus minus, which I think is positive, four rebounds, and, and continues to make an impact on the game. It was really interesting to see him introduce that, that five-out lineup uh, without Kofi, without Omar, and have Coleman play that that five role uh, a few times in this game a- after it was introduced uh, against Ohio State to some success uh, out of necessity because Omar was having a bad name. Co- Kofi needed a rest, um, but and today it was introduced just because it worked last time and it worked again today. And Coleman was providing really good minutes, and I feel like this is the Hawkins that we. Uh, saw earlier in the year, if you remember all the way back to that first game against Rutgers when he shut down Ron Harper Jr. And then he had that really abysmal stretch where really nothing was going right. And he seems to have found, and maybe goes back to that confidence like you talked about with Trent Frazier. Maybe it goes back to he's finding that confidence again in himself because, uh, you know, today he looks like a, a completely different, in the past few games really, it looked like a completely different animal than he was in that middle part of the Big Ten season. Brad brought up that big offensive rebound that he got. He had a step back three at one point when they were playing five out. Like when you, your five in quotations is hitting step back threes uh, during whatever, how long, however long they had that lineup out there. That's a big deal. That's awesome for Illinois to then have that other trick in their bag that they can pull out on teams just to give them a different look and, and to switch things up. And that 
those lineups and having those things that you can pull out on opponents and and make them more nervous and give them something more to think about is going to be so important, like you said, as we get into March now, uh, because teams are going to have all the tape in the world on you at, at this point. So to come up with new things uh, is really an incredible feat at this point in the season and have them work too is, is the more important part. So and credit to Hawkins for being the one that makes it work. Uh, Cause if he was still in that stretch that he was in before this, I mean, this, the five out wouldn't even be a thing. You'd have to put Omar back in there. Or Kofi's going to have to be gassed by the end of the game. Cause he stayed in there for too long. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see uh, how they now deploy this on teams. It's another trick in their bag and, it should be fun to see what the strategy is moving forward when when you pull this out. Kofi still played 34 minutes, Andy. I mean, he, you know, you got Trent playing 39 and Kofi playing 34. Like they're they're getting everything out of those guys, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, the guy that did play about 20 minutes again is Andre Curbelo, and and he continues to be about that 20 minute mark. Put a scare into a line of nation when he went down, but he is is productive overall. Five of seven. Uh, from the floor today, 12 points for Curbelo, and he's a plus 17. What did you see when he went down? He took that hard screen. I mean, he ran right into Hunter Dickinson, and I know a lot of people on Twitter were saying that Dickinson was moving. Look, I didn't have a problem with that. I, I just, Curbelo ran right into him. I mean, that's seven foot one that you're running into. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, the, the first thing I saw, and I missed the actual screen part, but I looked up and I saw him on on the court holding his head and your first thought is, Oh God, not, not again with Curbelo. Cause of course he missed that, that month and a half with the concussion and Michigan actually played on for a few seconds there as well. And ended up missing the shot and they finally blew it dead um, because he was just laying there on, on the court for I mean, 30 seconds at, at that point. And eventually he got up, he was kind of like leaning on Trent Frazier almost there. Uh, and it seemed to be favoring his neck at that point. It wasn't as much as head. I don't think um, he seemed to shake it off. He told us after the game that uh, it was a little bit sore. He's hoping that tomorrow he doesn't wake up and it's super stiff. Um, he kind of sounds like a, a middle-aged man and, and that case sleeping like the wrong side and you wake up and your neck is, is stiff. Uh, but he didn't think it was going to be a long-term concern. It certainly at this point had not aggravated like anything to do with his previous concussion. Uh, so that's good because Curbelo is starting to find that rhythm that I think everyone has been obsessed with since he came off uh, or came back from being injured. And of course came back from health and safety protocols uh, because he, he was starting to play within himself a little bit today. Uh, he, he, had a few points. I believe he had six points. I don't have the stats right in front of me, Brad. Um, and he had a few assists sprinkled in there as well. Um, and most importantly, and I, he got asked about this and Brad Underwood brought it up is like the defense that he was playing was really solid. And, and he knows that right now in this team, his role may not be to, and this is an exact quote, get 20 or 30 points, 15 assists a game. And instead his role is to, just play really good defense because that's going to help the team out. And he, t he told us that that's all he cares about right now is helping the team out the best he can and, and uh, just winning at the end of the day. And that plus 17 proves that that was the case for Corbello today. And it also proves that he's doing a really damn good job of it. Yeah, I think his defense is really improving and it allows you 
uh, to switch some things up, especially when Trent needs a blow. He doesn't need that very often. But I think you can you can count on Corbello's defense there uh, certainly a lot more than you could at the beginning of the season or even last year. On, and I think that's where he can continue to make the most impact is, is defensively. But this was his most efficient game of the season uh, by far. 5 of 7 from the floor. That's going to get it done every night if you can have him taking 6, 7 shots and he's going to make 70% of them. Uh, they will sign up for that 100% of the time. And the turnovers are going to be there. Look, he has four. Um, that matches um, uh, most he's had since early on in the season. He's had four a couple of times here in the last couple of weeks. But uh, the most points he's had since Purdue, uh, the game at Purdue yep. earlier this month. He, it's just something about Purdue. I don't know. He's, you know 15, he loves playing against Purdue. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll see another matchup against Purdue. You never know in, in the Big Ten tournament here. But... Excuse me. I think it's a really positive sign uh, from Carbello and what he's bringing to the table right now. And you just hope that his health is okay and that it, his head or neck or, or both are fine moving forward. All right, Andy, uh, we wrap up the month here. And I want to mention one thing, too, about Jacob Grandison. I mean, he only goes one of four from the floor today. Uh, three points, doesn't hit a three, but you didn't need him. Um, you know, four rebounds as well. So he found ways to contribute in there as well with four assists. Um, but I think that's also the making of a good team when you know you can count on some guys some nights and some other nights, and you know you're going to have those factors in there of Kofi putting up 17, 18 points. Uh, if you can work around that, not everyone's going to be on at the same time, but if you can have a guy here or there uh, and, and you bounce around, I think that's a really positive sign of a good team. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, th this Illinois team has so many options that it's just not going to be possible every night for – uh, guys to have the games maybe that we're expecting of them at this point. You know, Trent, Kofi, Alfonso, uh, Jacob can't all have 20 points in one night. That's just not how it was going to work. And, and tonight it was just that Jacob, uh, you know, had his off night in, in quotes. Uh, but, you know, like you mentioned, uh, the four rebounds, um, or was it four assists? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, both four rebounds and four assists. There we go. See, it was in the head somewhere. Uh, he played his role. I mean, he did take a few shots that, that just didn't go in, but that wasn't really, he, I think he knew early on that with Alfonso Plummer hitting so many shots, he didn't really need to do that. Kind of just feed the hot hand and the, the stats ended up with the way they ended up. And I don't think it's really much to worry about just, uh, because it's not going to be possible for all those guys to have career nights every night. All right. So as we look at the month of February, which is now over for Illinois basketball, they finish what we thought would be a really tough month here, Andy, five and three. I think that's pretty positive uh, when you think all things in this, that you had to go to Indiana, which is tough at home. You played Wisconsin at home. You had to go to Purdue. You had to go to Rutgers at Michigan State, at Michigan, Ohio State at home. This was the month that we had all circled and said, that's going to be the deciding factor of whether Illinois can contend for a Big Ten title or not. And to go five and three overall, I think is pretty good, you know, yeah, you'd like to not lose by 11 at Rutgers in a game that really wasn't as competitive of that as that. You sure don't want to lose at home to Ohio State, uh, and Ohio State loses at Maryland today. So maybe that loss at Maryland, you know, like if we want to use quantitative property or whatever, like, okay, <laughs> well, maybe not that bad in a sense. Um, so, yeah, I don't think and losing at Purdue is never bad. Like, hey, look, you know. You lost by double digits there, but it's Purdue. It is what it is. So I don't think there's anything that you know stands out to me when you compare it to January. In that sense, they were six and two in the month of January. Okay, I think overall you took care of business there. Obviously, 
Um, the the one loss in in January that you know I I think really just hurts is the, is the Maryland one where you just weren't competitive, and you didn't show up. But and and you hope that's not the difference between getting at least a share of that Big Ten title, but it, it very well could be. So you know six and two and five and three, and and you're in position here if you're Illinois, and I think overall uh, they should feel pretty good about it. Yeah, and they they should because right now all you're really leaning on is uh, Purdue possibly going on the road and beating Wisconsin. I think that's absolutely in the realm of possibility. Or Wisconsin just happens to lose their other game. I, I can't. I don't know if that's my head Nebraska. I don't know if they're losing in Nebraska. Okay, all right, all right, never mind, never mind, never mind. It really comes down to Purdue, <laughs> um, uh, and that's entirely possible. And then that puts you into a position where you can get a share of the big 10 title when the way that Brad Underwood put it in his post-game press conference, I think is hundred percent correct. You just want a chance at this point in the season, because there's only going to be really one team, maybe two teams in the driver's seat, maybe every single year at within the last week of the season. So the best you can ask for really is to be one of the teams in contention. That's exactly where the Illini are. They're positioned. If Wisconsin gets that one loss that they uh, can go grab that share, possibly get that number two seed in the big 10 tournament, but it seems all but likely they'll be in that evening window, either the two or the three seed. Um, So, I mean, we'll see what happens in the last two games, Penn state, um, of course, there's no slouches in the Big Ten. You always have to watch out for them. Iowa has come on here in the last few weeks and has been really good. So should be a really interesting final week of the regular season. And then who knows what's going to happen in the Big Ten tournament. It's been so volatile this year inside the conference that I don't think it's going to be possible to predict what's going to happen. Yeah, you never know, especially in the tournament setting. And then we saw that last year with Illinois making the run and Ohio State being there and um, you know, Michigan not be, you know, even though they were the top seed, it's just, it's always crazy at the big 10 tournament in Indianapolis. And I can not wait for that coming up here in just a couple of weeks. We are just one week away from finding out the seedings for the big 10 tournament, two weeks away from selection Sunday, Andy, this time, two weeks from right now, we will know where Illinois is heading the bracket in its entirety. And it's going to be a fun ride here because Illinois is a player and a contender to do some damage in March. All right, Andy, thank you so much. Safe travels back from Michigan. Illinois, here's how it wraps up the regular season. Thursday night against Penn State in Champaign. And then next Sunday against Iowa. And the Hawkeyes playing well as of late. They're going to bring a high-powered offense in here to State Farm Center. It's a sold-out game. Should be a rocking crowd. We'll hope that Illinois can get at least the opportunity to play for that game in the final day of the regular season to try and get a share of the Big Ten title. We'll see how it plays out. They're going to need some help, though. Like you mentioned, Wisconsin has to lose at home to Purdue on Tuesday. We'll talk to you again Thursday night after Illinois hosts Penn State for another edition of the 3-in-1 podcast. Hope you enjoyed the Illinois game today. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time here on the 3-in-1 podcast.